Good morning, church. My name is Rick Enns. I'm the senior pastor here at First Methodist Church. What a joy it is that we can worship together this morning. Our scripture reading comes from the gospel of Matthew, chapter 21, verses 1 through 11. Hear these words. When they had come near Jerusalem and had reached Bethpage at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go into the village ahead of you and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, just say this, the Lord needs them and he will send them immediately. This took place to fulfill what had been spoken through the prophet saying, tell the daughter of Zion, look, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put their cloaks on them and he sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and that followed were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was in turmoil asking, who is this? The crowds were saying, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. This is a word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You know, it's, it's one of those difficulties of life, unmet expectations. And we've all been there, where our expectations fall flat in the face of our reality and our life. And these unmet expectations oftentimes can, can leave us reeling and, and confused about where to go. We're all experiencing unmet expectations today. We didn't expect to be faced with a global pandemic, canceling spring break trips, canceling graduation ceremonies, canceling gra uh, gatherings with, with friends and families, worshiping online and not being able to gather together as a body of Christ. Unmet expectations. And you know, there's been a lot of confusion and, and media hype over this pandemic and it's caused suspicions so that no one really knows who to believe. And it's funny because there, I've heard multiple conspiracy theories about uh, how we've gotten to where we've gotten. And, and all, of the, all of them begin with these words, I have heard of, from a friend who knows a high official in Washington. The, the funny thing about those theories is they tend to contradict themselves. So who do we believe? Where do we turn to for information and hope. We're looking for someone to blame. It's the president's fault. It's the Democrats' fault for stirring up trouble. It's, it's the Chinese government. They started this. It's fill in the blank. Unmet expectations. When we have them, we want to blame someone. We, we want to know who's to blame. We often lean into fear. We, we allow it to cause chaos in our souls. The church in America hasn't had to deal with a situation like this in many years. We're just getting a taste of, of really what it means to be a church in the rest of the world, having to lean into our faith like never before, learning what it truly means to trust God in the midst of a broken world, in the midst of no good answers, in the midst of unmet expectations. And if we're not careful, we can begin to blame God. Sometimes we reject the king because of our wrong expectations. 
If you're just joining us, we've been looking at what it means to have Jesus as king in our lives. We say often that Jesus is our king, but too often we live in ways that contradict that statement. So what does it mean to have Jesus as king? What should our expectations be of the king and God's kingdom? The text for our series has been the the gospel of Matthew. And I would encourage you, if you've missed the first uh, couple of sermons in this series, to go back and you can listen to them online on our website. But let me go back to a statement I just made a moment ago. Sometimes we reject the king because of unmet expectations, because of wrong expectations. And that's what we find from our scripture in Matthew this morning. We see that Jesus has entered into Jerusalem uh, during the week of Passover. And, And Passover here in this first century, it's like going to a religious state fair. There are people from all over the nation coming to worship and, and celebrate together this, this Passover. And the rumors have been flying all over the place about this prophet named Jesus from Galilee. Could he be the Messiah, the one who had come to save them? Uh, expectations were high. Expectations are, are always high at Passover. They, they were looking for someone to save them because, you see, they had been ruled by Rome. And they were tired of being ruled by this foreign government. They were looking for a new king. They were looking for a Messiah. They were looking for someone to set them free. They weren't a free people as they were under that Roman rule. Now, many had heard the stories of Jesus, the the miracles he performed, the announcement of the arrival of God's kingdom, and, and his call to create a new people transformed, transformed in their hearts transformed by the spirit of God. So as he's coming in, he's greeted with great expectation, but the crowds are fickle. On this Sunday, they're shouting Hosanna, but by Friday, they're shouting crucify him. Why? How can they go from praise to condemnation so quickly? Part of the problem is that uh, they tripped up on their own agenda and they couldn't see the agenda of God. The agenda that was right before them, the the clues that God had given them throughout the scriptures, throughout the the prophets of old, they they missed those clues. They were so focused on their own needs and their own desires that they couldn't see the big picture. See, they thought Rome was the problem. They thought that if, if someone could just come in and get rid of Rome, then everything would be all right. Then everything would be good. And, and of course, Rome was a problem. But they couldn't see beyond that, that they were the problem, that they needed a transformed heart, that they needed to take their hardened heart and let it be softened by God. They thought Rome was the problem. They thought that the the coming Messiah would end all of their suffering, that after the Messiah would come, that everything would be easy and the Messiah, uh, there would be no more war, that there would be no more hunger, there'd be no more suffering. They thought they would be exempt from all that because they were the people of God. That's what they were thinking. They couldn't see, though, that it was because of their sin that warred within them that there was constant war around them. They couldn't understand that that their gluttony was the reason that there was so much hunger. They couldn't see that they were the problem. Our sin has consequences. 
Our, our arrogance has consequences. Our lack of faith has consequences. And we would prefer that Jesus would just snap his fingers and make it all go away. You know, just make it all okay. You know, God, just ignore our lack of faith. God, just ignore this broken world around us that we created. God, ignore the devastation that we've called. Just come and fix it for us. Let us just move on from it. We want the healing without the suffering. We, we want the salvation without having to see the consequence of our sin. We want a Messiah, but we don't want to have to face our rebellion. Jesus came to be the king of our lives, but as king, he also wants justice. There are consequences for our actions. There are consequences of our sin. And that was the reason that they, we have Jesus coming to be king of our lives. But before he could be king, he had to bring justice. He had to walk the road of Calvary. But the amazing thing is that he paid the price for our sins. This is what kingship means in the kingdom of God. We serve a king willing to reconcile us to God through his death on a cross. The Jews of Jesus' time, they couldn't wrap their, their mind around this type of Messiah. It's hard for us to wrap our minds around it as well because, because of their wrong expectations, they went from worshiping and shouting Hosanna to crucify him. If we're not careful, we can do the same thing. If we're not careful, when our expectations are not met, when we have the wrong expectations, we can easily turn and begin to blame God. Now, I want us to look at two different individuals this morning who approached the king with different expectations. The story comes from later in Matthew, Matthew 26, verse 6 through 16. And the story takes place right before Jesus is crucified. But it's in the same week in which Jesus comes into Jerusalem. Matthew 26. It says this, now... While Jesus was at Bethany, it's right outside of Jerusalem, in the house of Simon the leper, a woman came to him with an alabaster jar of very costly ointment, and she poured it on his head as he sat at the table. But when the disciples saw it, they were angry and said, why this waste? For this ointment could have been sold for a large sum and the money given to the poor. But Jesus, aware of this, said to them, why do you trouble this woman? She has performed a good service for me. For you always have the poor with you, but you will not always have me. By pouring this ointment on my body, she has prepared me for burial. Truly I tell you, wherever this good news is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in remembrance of her. And then it goes on and it says, Then one of the twelve, who is called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and said, What will you give me if I betray him to you? They paid him 30 pieces of silver. And from that moment, he began to look for an opportunity to betray him. Such a fascinating story and different approaches to Jesus and, and who he is. And it begs the question, how much is Jesus worth? How much is the king worth? I want to look at the different players in this 
drama. First, as we, we look at Jesus, he is faithfully walking in obedience to God's calling for him to the cross. Jesus is faithful in fulfilling the calling of God. He is obedient to God no matter what, no matter what the consequence. And we also have this unnamed woman who comes to Jesus to anoint him with perfume. This story is in all four of the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But it's ironic that the woman isn't named here, uh, but that Jesus says her actions will be remembered for eternity. That's high praise. This unnamed woman shows up the 12 disciples in her devotion and in her calling to the king. She is also showing us what it means to truly worship the king, to place his needs above our needs, uh, to place our lives, our futures, our fortunes, our hopes, our dreams at Jesus's feet. Jesus is worth our best. And in this moment, those who should have known best, the disciples, again are put to shame by an unnamed woman of faithful devotion. And Jesus says that this anointing is for his burial. We saw earlier how Jesus was anointed as king in his baptism. And now we have this woman anointing him as king in his death. She, was, she is showing proper devotion at great cost to her. You see, this perfume that this woman poured on Jesus' head was costly, as the text said. It would have been made of nard, imported from India. It would have most likely have been an inheritance that had been passed down to her. The text says she poured it out on his head. Can you, can you picture it? Can you be in the picture and imagine what that would have been like? what it would have smelled like. Poured from an alabaster jar, she poured her inheritance, her fortune, her future, her hopes, her dreams, her very life under the head of Jesus. She gave it all. That's what true worship of the king is. What does she expect in return? The text is silent. She never speaks. She, she appears suddenly on the scene and then she disappears almost just as suddenly. It's, it's almost as if Matthew is telling us in his silence that her devotion is exactly how you worship the king. Her devotion is exactly how you approach the king, asking for nothing in return. Just thankful that, that you can be in the presence of the king. Just thankful that we can play a part of the kingdom. Pure devotion, pure praise, pure worship. It's humbling, isn't it? And how did the disciples react? We, we re, let me read it again to you. It says this, but when the disciples saw it, they were angry and said, why this waste? For this ointment could have been sold for a large sum and the money given to the poor. Now, I don't know about you, but part of me on the, on the surface wants to de- defend the disciples' actions. What a waste. From an economic perspective, I see their point, but they have missed the, the bigger picture of what Jesus is saying. You see, everything changes when you're in the presence of the king. Everything changes when you devote your life to the king. Jesus had been constantly telling the disciples what was about to happen, where he was headed. He was preparing them for his death. And they 
should have been waiting on Jesus. They should have been preparing themselves to help prepare Jesus for what was to come. But instead, they're, they're more concerned about what others are doing and what others are thinking about. They are, in a sense, paralyzed by fear. But earlier in chapter 9 of Matthew, Jesus had talked about this very thing. It's a fascinating little story. It's in Matthew chapter 9, verse 14 and 15. And, and it says this, Then the disciples of John, John the Baptist, came to him saying to Jesus, Why do we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, the wedding guests cannot mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them, can they? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast. See, that's what Jesus had been telling them. You see, Jesus is tell, isn't telling the people that you shouldn't take care of the poor. That's the very thing that Jesus says over and over again. You should be taking care of the poor. But right here, right now, in the presence of the king, everything changes you devote yourselves completely to him. But isn't it funny that the, the disciples are they're quick to judge this woman's actions and they want to decide for her how she should spend her money, her inheritance. But Jesus sets them straight, straight pretty quickly. Let me read the last little part of this text again, which then focuses and shifts its focus on Judas. Verse 14, then one of the 12 who is called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and said, what will you give me if I betray him to you? They paid him 30 pieces of silver. And from that moment, he began to look for an opportunity to betray him. Such a heartbreaking moment as I read those three verses. What will you give me? That's what Judas asked. What will you give me? What will you give me to betray Jesus? What a contrast between this unnamed woman and Judas. The unnamed woman doesn't ask for how she can get, but rather pours it all out for Jesus. Judas is an, an example of those who, who follow Jesus for what they can get out of him rather than how they can devote their lives to him. Judas one of the 12 disciples, one of the chosen, abandons his place of honor, his spiritual birthright, abandons his calling for 30 pieces of silver in order to better his life right here, right now. Yet in saving his own life, he loses it. And yet this unnamed woman with abandon, abandons her inheritance abandons her pride, abandons her future, abandons her life, and in so doing so, receives a place of honor, receives a spiritual birthright, receives her true calling, and solidifies herself in the kingdom for all eternity as a true disciple. What are your expectations of the king? Are you expecting to get, or are you expecting to give with abandon, asking for nothing in return? What is the worth of the king? As we go through this week that we're in, where we see unmet expectations, in those unmet expectations, how are you reacting? Are you reacting in fear? What can I get? Are you putting it at the feet of Jesus, worshiping him, even in the midst of the unknown, of the storms? You know, we've realized this week in more ways than one that we truly aren't in control. 
So what are you going to do to worship the King? I invite you this week to meditate and to pray about that. Let us pray. How I thank you, God, for this time that we have had together in worship. Help us in our expectations to place all of our expectations, all of our lives, everything that we have on you. May we worship you in spirit and truth this day and every day. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, church, it's been a blessing to worship with you this day. I look forward to worshiping with you next Sunday as well. But as you go, hear this blessing, hear this benediction. We serve a God who is with us in the midst of life, in all times, in all ways, in the good and the bad, and everything in between. And we can trust our Messiah, the King, Jesus. He still rules. He's still in control. May you go in his peace this day and every day. Amen.